you are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hello there, welcome to this week's podcast. Um, Today we're going to hear a conversation that I had with a lady called Donna, and Donna and I talk about bariatric surgery and eating disorders. And that's all I'm going to say. Let's just get straight into the conversation. Here is Donna. Okay. Well, I I grew up a heavy kid. Like, well, my whole family is heavy. I was always the tallest in the class, always the biggest in the class. I was always healthy, just bigger than others. Yeah. Which I guess bothered my mom to no end. And she started me on diets at like nine or 10, you know, don't need any more of that. You don't need any of that, you know. Mm. And so by the time I was in like junior high, I was starting to get like a lot larger. And I know a lot of it had to do with this yo-yo cycling as I was growing up. And she did you know that then, Donna? Or is that just is that just since then? Okay, yeah. I just wondered. I wonder if you had an inkling. (laughs) Now, at the time, I just thought it was something else. I failed at, right? You know that I that I couldn't stick to it. I I was, you know, not only a terrible kid because I was big, but I was a terrible kid because I couldn't lose weight. And like by the time I was in junior high, she was sending me to school with like Slim Fast for lunch. Oh. And I know she didn't mean to be mean. Like she was doing the best that she thought she could. But and Donna, for I mean, our for our non-American listeners, what age is junior high? Um, a 13, 14. Okay. You know, yeah. that really critical, awkward age where it's hard enough to be in a larger body anyways, and then you try walking in a school cafeteria with a diet shake. Yeah. Um and so naturally I would rebel against that and sneak food. And then, you know, this went on through my teenage years. And by the time I was in college, I was around 20. I was very large. You know, I'll refrain from any numbers, but thank you. Um, I, I approached a, my home, my PCP, like my home doctor about possibly diet pills or something, which he was like, well, we're past this. You need bariatric surgery. And so what age were you then, Reminders? And so, you know, I was 20. Right. So I went through all of the screening, which the screening involved, you know, basically vitals. And if your insurance will cover this, we're doing it. Like there was no psych screening, no like really training or anything. I mean, it was almost kind of like a factory, you know. Right. And so I did great for like a year after. After surgery, you know, the doctors were happy. I was losing weight. Of course, I don't know how much you know about bariatric surgery, but it really disrupts your hunger cues to where like for a year, you're not hungry. Right. So you're taking in very little food due to the reduced stomach capacity because your stomach can only hold like two to four ounces of food. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're living on basically nothing. Well, then after a year, you know, my hunger started coming back. Well, I'm freaked out by this because I haven't been hungry in a year. And so I start eating more and I think, well, this is just another diet. I'm going to screw up, you know. And so I started chewing and spitting because I wanted the food, but I was scared holding the food in would make me gain my weight back or that it would stretch that tiny pouch of my stomach that they had made. And which the chewing and spitting didn't last long and it quickly progressed to binging and purging. But I always hid behind the surgery saying that, well, my stomach is so small. I didn't chew the food well enough or I ate too fast. And that's why I have to get sick. And so I did this for like 18 years through finishing college, getting married, 
having several children and I was always saying, you know, it's the surgery, it's the surgery, it's the surgery. And then um, probably about eight months ago, I'm reading about metabolisms because mm-hmm. I'm thinking that I can't lose weight anymore because I must have broken my metabolism through this purging. And I ran across several different websites and I texted my sister, who's also a nurse, and I was like, do you think, even though I'm not skinny, I could be bulimic? And she was like, yeah, I've known for years that you were. Oh, wow. And so I began approaching my doctors who see me as a, you know, still in a larger body because all of this binging and purging has only caused me to gain weight. Mm-hmm. Like I may lose 10 or 15 pounds and then gain 20 or 25 every time. Right. So even though I'd had the bariatric surgery, I was still doing the yo-yo dieting. You know, I was doing all of the, whatever the fad diet was at the time, you know, yeah. low fat, low carb, it changes. Did you have any guidance after your bariatric surgery as to how to deal with all of these things? No, I, my surgeon, I followed me for about a year. And when my weight loss slowed, he just said, you need to eat more protein. And then he actually wound up leaving his practice and they, like I wasn't transferred to another surgeon. So I wasn't followed by anyone. Mm. About three years ago, I did see another surgeon because of the frequent vomiting. And so he did a scope thinking there must be something wrong with my surgery. And he said, no, it's fine. And he sent me to a hospital dietitian who told me, that, well, if you don't get sick on liquids, then just do shakes and soups. And I'm like, well, I I can't do that for the rest of my life, which, you know, I tried for a while and then eventually, you know, just fell right back into that same cycle. Mm -hmm. And so when I started thinking, you know, maybe despite the fact that I am a large person, maybe this really is a problem. I approached my doctor here, like my, my general practitioner and he really just kind of blew me off. And it wasn't until I um, talked to my cardiologist, I, I had some heart issues come up between surgery and the onset of the eating disorder that um, like he, when he realized what was going on, you know, he panicked because he sees someone with a, well, a crap heart, a bad cardiac history. And he, he recognizes the dangers of eating disorders especially in cardiac health. And he's like, you know, we've got to get you in therapy. We've, we've got to figure this out before, you know, this essentially takes your life. And that's when it really kind of hit me that, you know, it, it doesn't matter what size I am. This is a big deal and I've got to get it figured out. But yeah. the funny thing is I entered recovery wanting to fix my metabolism so I could lose weight. How messed up is that? Like I started eating disorder recovery thinking, well, if I recover from it, maybe then I'll lose weight. Right. But over the last six months, I'm really coming to a place where, you know, it's fine if I don't. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly healthy like I am now. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. <laughs> and so, I mean, that has really taught me like, you know, I've been on a diet since I was nine years old and I'm 40 now, you know, for, you know, 31 years of living in the diet culture. And it's, it's been quite a journey to get to the point where I feel like, you know, I'm fine. Like I am, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't even matter what my doctors think. As long as, you know, I'm healthy. My blood pressure's not high. My blood sugar's fine. You know, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So it, it's been quite a journey. And, and I told a friend the other day, you know, that having an eating disorder and a larger body is a special kind of mind game. Because like when you're in a smaller body, well, then, you know, people are still telling you, you need to eat, you need to eat more. Well, the other side of the coin, people are always telling me, you know, even my, I see a, a therapist and a dietitian now that are wonderful and they echo a lot of your sentiments, but, but the dietitian is still, you know, eat, re- eat unrestricted, but don't eat too much. There doesn't need <laughs> so, to be a but after un- eat unrestricted. There never has to be a but. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So just come to that place of giving myself permission to eat whatever, you know, eat it all and then eat whatever I want has been quite a journey because I've recognized that the binging and purging comes after restricting, you know, I would try to wait as long as I could all day long to eat. And then of course you're starving and you want to eat everything. And then you feel like crap because you ate everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been quite the roller coaster and I'm, I'm not on it. I mean, I'm not off of it yet, but the ride isn't quite as bumpy these days, if that makes sense at all. It sounds like mentally you've worked out what you need to do to get off of the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm interested to know when you were 20 and bariatric surgery was um, suggested to you, like, wh- how did that decision making process go? And, and how did you feel about that? Well, at that age, like I was, I was still in college, both my parents were still alive. So I kind of just did what everybody told me, you know, I've always been such a people pleaser when mom, dad, and the doctor says you need to do this. Well, I'm, you know, I'm on board. I'm going to, they tell me I'm going to die in a few years if I don't lose weight. Mm. I mean, as a, as a dumb kid, you don't think about what this drastic change could do to my body. Cause you know, you're simply, you're essentially disrupting your whole digestive system. You know, they're making your stomach smaller. They're rewriting your intestines. They're changing everything. Mm. And there's got to be ramifications of that. And, and none of that was, was suggested to you by doctors or, or spoken about Mm-mm. or anything? Nope. Huh. No, they told me that I would, you know, have the surgery, lose all of my extra weight, be beautiful, get lots of dates. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm signing up. It sounds great. So that's the typical sort of diet industry sales pitch, that your life will oh, be yeah. better and everything will fall into mm-hmm. place if you just lose some weight. Exactly. And like growing up, you know, I had been told that, you know, men don't like big women. If you ever want to get married, you're going to have to lose weight. So it was still driving that, mm-hmm. you know, and cause well, when I was a kid, all I ever wanted was a house full of kids and a husband. So they're telling me you're never going to achieve your dreams unless you do this. And since none of the diets you've tried were then this is your last hope. So then when the eating disorder kicked in and I stopped losing and slowly started to regain, well, I just felt like the surgery was one more thing I'd failed at. Right, right. And so what sort of age were you? So if you had the surgery when you were 20, what was was that sort of just a year later or so? It was about a year later. Um, I had the surgery in September. And then in February, I was diagnosed with um, cardiomyopathy and heart failure caused mm-hmm. by a virus. Mm-hmm. And it was probably about six months after that 
that that it really kicked in because it was you know I'm thinking back I had I skipped a semester of college and I went and I withdrew because of the heart but it was when I went back to school that it just slowly you know started and then it just kind of snowballed and and I don't like I feel like an idiot on this side of it thinking that it wasn't a problem but I just always thought it was the surgery that people who have bariatric surgery throw up a lot right which may be the case but they shouldn't it shouldn't be self-induced. Right. So when you were going through this time and you're sitting there thinking, this is just another thing that I failed, um, was there, were there resources? Was there, was there help for you at that time? Did you go back to the doctor that had say suggested bariatric surgery and were you able to talk to them? No, um, I didn't. He actually wound up um, being fired from the practice for losing patients. And moved out of town, and he's at another hospital doing a different bariatric procedure now. So I, I pretty much totally lost touch with him. And the clinic that I I went to, you know, they never really transferred patients. And also, you know, it was it was a point of embarrassment because, right. the, you know, I felt like the surgery hadn't worked. So I don't want to, you know, hide my head and go back to them and you know, admit that it was something else that I had failed at. Yeah, because, I mean, that must and have been so hard had, that time when you're just oh. thinking, I've had this surgery and it hasn't worked. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then, you know, social media can be a beautiful thing, but it can also be a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. I, about 10 years ago, started plugging into some bariatric groups where you meet people with, all kinds of issues, but they tell you you should never eat over X amount of calories a a day. And so I'm still just trying to force myself back into this mold of, well, I mean, it's, it's an anorexic mindset because these calorie limits they're giving you are, you know, less than a third of what a person actually needs. Right. And so as I, you know, I'm tracking everything and as I would see that calories, my calories get closer to that limit that they said I should never eat over. Well, then the you know I binge and purge everything, right? And then and so again, I'm just still feeling like I'm screwing it all up. Yeah, and it's just sort of it's in, it's interesting to think that say a, a Facebook group for people that have been through bariatric surgery could really be very similar to some sort of pro Anna site. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's definitely. crazy. Yeah, because they're very, you know, you have to have this many grams of protein and not more than this of carbohydrates. I mean, there are companies out there that like they're making money on, you know, body shaming and diet shaming and and you know, I'm in these groups thinking, well, this is just another way I suck because I can't stick to your plans. Yeah, but yeah. in actuality, you're their plans are crap and nobody can live like that no um and so what did it what what happened to to get you to start to understand oh I'm kind of just fighting my biology here and I don't want to do that anymore how did that change um it was the night that I was I was reading about a broken metabolism right and um, I ran across another um, eating disorder recovery coach and her website and her articles. And I just got to watching her videos on YouTube. And then her Facebook group, actually, I had asked some questions. And they were like, well, you should check out Tabitha. 
which I means she's right in line with with your with your stuff and oh, that's great. And, I don't and, know. and and who was if they if you don't think that they'll mind you saying who was the other eating disorder recovery coach? I'd love to give them a shout out. Um, I think her name is Elisa. Oh, Elisa yeah. Eliza from Follow the Intuition. Yeah, love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did a podcast with her probably a while ago now, but uh, that's oh, fantastic. Okay. But yeah, and it was, and I actually, you know, at my cardiologist recommendation, I entered therapy here, which I went in thinking, well, therapy's crap. I don't need therapy, but just talking to him and him helped me work through stuff in my own mind has helped me separate the surgery from the eating disorder because you know that was such a crutch for me for so many years and then one day I was describing you know my feelings and he said you do realize every other person with an eating disorder tells me the same thing and I'm like what no they don't it's the surgery and he's just shaking his head and then I it just you know started to click that it's not the surgery (laughs) You know, I think that, and I told, I I said that it was almost like that first year after surgery was forced anorexia because, you know, it, it puts you in such an energy deficit, you know, like you could only hold this many calories a day. Yeah. Um, And I think like, you know, like you've talked about, it just triggered those genes that were already there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It it actually terrifies me that... To, and you know knowing what I know about eating disorders and then thinking what bariatric surgery does it's mm-hmm. it's it's terrifying I, I don't understand mm-hmm. how anybody could have that done and not develop a restrictive eating disorder because exactly. they're going to be exactly. consistently eating they're going to be an energy deficit um mm-hmm. yeah that's and then because- then you just think then why is this still happening I know I I don't know. Some, you know, people always ask me, would you do it again? And I'm like, depends on the day, but now there's more no's than yes. I don't know. I'm still dealing with, with that, you know, and especially as the extreme hunger is kicking in and recovery, I can only hold about a cup of food at a time. So like my stomach is completely full and my brain is still screaming for more. So let's have a chat. Let's talk about that. Like how, how do you deal with that when, you're in recovery, as you said, you, you identify as being in recovery from an eating disorder. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't, your stomach can't hold a lot of food and you've got this mental hunger. So how are you, how are you going about that? How's that working out? Um, I'm just having to eat more frequently rather than more in quantity, just because I, I mean, I physically can't hold, you know, more than that. And if I try to push it and eat more than that, I mean, it will, it will trigger a purge that I'm not doing to myself. And so I just had to eat more often, you know, like my dietitian wants me certainly eating X amount of meals and X amount of snacks a day, which I, you know, I hit all those goals, but the further I get into recovery, the more I'm eating between those two. Cause you're responding to that. Which, you know, she says that's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. I'm I'm trying to, you know, there's still days that it scares the crap out of me, but Mm-hmm. Uh, my my therapist last time, I, I cracked the joke that I need to start telling myself, mom was nuts, you need to eat. And my mom wasn't really nuts. But you know, she was the one my whole life saying you don't need that, you don't need that. And he, he laughed. He's like, but I mean, that's kind of right. Go with that. You need to eat. Yeah, I th- honestly, I think that for most of us, we all develop. I know I, I just developed thoughts in my head that would just help me push through that fear when I needed to eat, help me push mm-hmm. through the dark 
the doubt. And I think that if whatever it is, if it's a thought that can help you then respond to hunger, then it's valuable and it will help you just help you over that mm-hmm. bridge when you're in recovery. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's so difficult, I think, especially if you have been given the message from an early age that you shouldn't be eating because um, mm-hmm. recovery is difficult for those of us such as myself that had always had parents that were always encouraging me to eat and eat and eat um, and mm-hmm. recovery is still difficult so I think that when you have that sort of um, that conditioned thoughts of you know from an early age that I shouldn't be eating then that's mm-hmm. another that's an, that's another thing that you have to be able to rewire in your brain and act against but you're aware of it and it seems that you're doing just that well, I'm trying, <laughs> you know, I, I have good days and bad days, but I will say the good days far outweigh the bad days now. So that's great. It's definitely been a, been a journey and, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to come to the point where I'm not afraid to eat whatever I want, you know, cause there's one thing to be afraid, like to have your fear foods and be afraid to eat. But then when all of society is telling you basically that you don't need to eat too, that's just more ammunition for that stupid Ed voice that so many of us have. Thank you to Donna for talking to me. Um, it's not a topic I've talked about before on the podcast. I'd love to talk about it a bit more, actually. I Especially, especially in reference to eating disorders, because I would imagine that the kind of energy deficit, the kind of prolonged energy deficit that having your stomach made smaller than it naturally should be would cause, um, would lead to all sorts of eating disorders. So if you had experience with this, I'd love to talk to you. You can drop me an email. Um, I'll give you the email address at the end. Um, and also, I'm, I'm interested to talk to a therapist or dietitian, somebody who... I'd much prefer to talk to somebody that has a health every size approach, to be quite honest, and um, has experienced working with people who have been through bariatric surgery and also have eating disorders. I think that um, the more we can talk about the truth that people in larger bodies have eating disorders too, the better that we can start to understand how fat phobia <laughs> can... Uh, I, just, I just can't even... One thing that working, recovering from my own eating disorder, uh, the incredible things that my body has been through, that I've put my body through and it recovered and continues to do throughout my recovery and throughout now being fully recovered, I'm still in awe of what my body can do. And I'm in awe of what my clients' bodies do all of the damn time, that they can recover and mend themselves from years and years and years of malnutrition and just it's magic and it's fantastic and it's wonderful and it's biology and it's so intelligent and so why our medical system doesn't respect the body the way that it should be doesn't treat the body with the respect it deserves and the wisdom that people's bodies have anyway so (laughs) If you'd like to talk to me about bariatric surgery or just being in a larger body and having an eating disorder or both, then you can drop me a line and my email is info at TabithaFarrar.com. Thanks for listening and until next time, cheerio.